Uh, today we're talking about the, um, the happiest of all conversations, <laughs> depression. I was thinking about this, uh, you know, what the scriptures have to say about depression. And my mind, for whatever we- reason, was drawn to this story in Acts chapter 16. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they've been traveling from place to place, and they're planning churches. And so they're going to place to place, um, and, and, you know, this isn't like in a car. They don't have a Subaru. They, you know, they aren't staying in hotels. I mean, this is, this is roughing it. I mean, they are really roughing it. And they're going place to place to tell people about Jesus. They have an enormous amount of success in chapter 16. They cast out the demon out of this, uh, this demon out of this girl. And there's this immediate, like, fruit. And people are beginning to listen. And immediately, as that fruit begins to bear uh, in this church plant that they're trying to get going, persecution comes. And they're attacked by a mob, and they're beaten, they're dragged through the street, they're dragged before the magistrates, the magistrates throw them in jail, um, and they're shackled in there. Uh, And and we know this about the crowd, the mob, they're beating, they're stoning, they're spitting, they're they're probably cursing, they're they're embarrassed. I mean, this is not just just physical abuse, this is shame. I don't know if you've ever been dragged through a street by a mob, but it's not only physically uncomfortable, but emotionally uncomfortable taxing as well, if we could put it that way. And, and we know the one thing that as Romans would put people in jail, they wouldn't just sort of like, hey, come on in here, let's give you a shower, and let's give you a, you know, here's some fresh clothes, and here's a, here's a bed. I mean, they would often beat them viciously before they put them in jail. And so Paul and Silas have endured all of this. They've been brought into this jail. There's no bed, there's no clothes, and there's likely no food. It is unlikely that they would have been given any kind of meal. There, there's no Geneva Convention back then, right? So, so they are shackled to the floor, and there's this incredible verse that says, and it round midnight, they were praying and singing psalms, or singing songs to God. Now, I, I mean, I've heard this story many times. If you've been raised in church, you've heard a story or a story like it. And I, I always had in my mind sort of this super pious Paul. Like, he's so thrilled that he got you know, beat up. He's so thrilled to enjoy persecution for Jesus that he's just singing praises to God out of joy in the middle of the night. That's kind of my vision of it as a child. But as an adult, I think, no, that's probably not right. That's probably not right at all. And so uh, uh, compounding shame and abuse and pain and the lack of comfort they were probably up all night because there is no way you can fall asleep and so it got me thinking what songs do you think they sang what songs do you sing when you ache and bleed all over broken ribs possibly chained to a floor with no comfort at all what song do you sing because we know they weren't singing the Gaithers. We know they weren't singing the Redmonds, right? We, we know that's not a part of their hymnals. And so their hymnal is the Psalms. It, it's Psalms that they would often have sung so often that they, they've got them memorized, just like you might have some maybe old hymns or new hymns memorized. What songs do you sing when you are in the blackness, in the night? Maybe Psalm 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have been gracious. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. 
Maybe it was Psalm 10, verse 1. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourselves, yourself in times of trouble? Maybe it was Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, my God, I cry by day and you do not answer. And by night and I find no rest. Maybe it was Psalm 42. I'm not going to give you that one because I want you to look it up. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open to Psalm 42. If you've got your phones or your tablets or whatever, pull them out. If you just want to use the Pew Bible like I am, it is on page uh, 469, second column. It's a familiar psalm. And it says this, Psalm 42, beginning with verse 1. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? For tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? I have to wonder about this one, just the, the, the use of the night, the hunger, the, the tears that you would cry were you beaten and dragged through a street. Tears of anger, tears of shame, tears of hurt. And uh, by night, when I find no rest, just draws my mind to, to this. Because one of the things I know about music and I'm not terribly musically gifted, as anyone uh, who knows me could attest. Um, but when I'm in certain situations, and words or phrases or those situations come up, my mind sometimes goes to songs that I know. You, you ever have that happen? You're, you, maybe you're in the pit, you're in a bad place, and just a song comes to your mind that really echoes what you're feeling. And I wonder if this might have been their songs. You know, what's interesting is that the Bible doesn't use the word depression in the same way we would think of the word depression, but it sure uses the language of depression, doesn't it? And we see characters who wrestle, while we might not call them depressed in the the technical, maybe clinical sense of the word, we see language that sure images what we mean or what we experience when we go through depression. There's a situation where Moses runs into the place where the the Israelites have just been on top of him, just complaining and, and just dumping and dumping and dumping on him. And he cries out to God and he says, God, how long do I have to bear the burden of these people? Have you ever had a situation where the people around you, maybe your family, maybe your friends, and they are just dumping, maybe it's work, just dumping and dumping and dumping on you, and you just say, I cannot take it anymore. Elijah wins this amazing, I mean, he has this moment of great victory. It's this battle of the gods on Mount Carmel. And, 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 and God shows up in this amazing, mighty way. And it hadn't rained for three years. And Elijah prays. And all of a sudden, it's, <clears throat> it's raining again. I mean, this, it's, it's incredible. But suddenly, persecution comes. And Elijah goes fleeing. And even though it, he, he's had this amazing victory, all of his faith in God, because of that persecution, because of that situation, has been sort of crushed out of him. And he says to God, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life. Has the situation that you've found yourself in ever been so bleak 
that the only thing that you can think to pray anymore is God, take me away. Let me die. I'm done. Because that's what Elijah experienced. And we could talk about Job. Very famous. You probably know this one, even if you're not really familiar with all the church stuff. You know about Job and how he loses his family and his wealth and his, and his health. He's lost it all. I, maybe you've had that situation where you've lost a family member. Or maybe you've lost a job the way that you made your money and you don't know where the money's going to come from anymore. Or maybe you've uh, gotten so sick or your health is so in shambles or perhaps you're facing death itself. And you just say, along with Job in that first chapter, Lord, and this is such an interesting, such a a poignant way of putting it. He says, let the day perish on which I was born. So not just like these others that we said, let me die, but let the very day, let that day of my birth be wiped off the calendar. Let the day be gone. Because if you've been there before, so was blameless and faithful Job. Of course, we don't have time to talk about Jonah, blind Samson, Habakkuk on the wall, Jeremiah and the sister, and Jesus in the garden, Jesus in the trial, Jesus on the cross. I hope my point is becoming clear then. Some have given the impression that the reason you're going through depression is because you don't have enough faith. And if that's true, then the same is said of Moses and of Elijah, and of Job, and maybe even of Jesus. And so what my message to you in part today is to say that if you are going through the black pit, if you are in that, then the witness of scripture is that you have company. That men and women faithful to God have wrestled with this uh, before. And so... That's the testimony of scripture. Uh, It is also my own testimony. I'm going to bear my soul a little bit uh, today. As Paul comes up, he's getting ready. He's going to do a little, he's going to be musically talented for us, since I can't be. Um, You know, all of the subjects that we've been talking about, or we will be talking about, don't really hit close to home for me. I don't really struggle with anxiety. Um, I'm not easily embarrassed. (laughs) And so these are not things that I deal with. Um, uh, our children are still, you know, groundable, <laughs> so those are not an issue for us, but this, this issue hits me close to home, because depression has been something I have wrestled with since I was in my early teens, and it's a regular part of my life, and uh, it was really hard on our marriage when we first uh, got married, because um, Laura's sort of, I don't know if you know Laura well, but if you do, she's sort of the chipper happy one, and I'm sort of the morose one, and she marries this guy, and he's got some issues, <laughs> and God bless her for being able and willing to put up with those for many years, um, but I guess part of what I want to say is this, is that I find great comfort as I read the Psalms and the other scriptures that that what I see in there is that the human experience, which we kind of think of the Bible as really removed from, is not really that removed from us at all, but is an eminently practical, that the things that we struggle with are the things that we have always struggled with, and the God who loved the people, and walked with the people, and suffered with the people, who deal with what you deal with, is still alive and well. There's a song uh, that's taken me through some dark times, it's a song called Hard to Get by the late, great um, Rich Mullins. And I think it hits well our subject today. And Paul is going to 
Share it with us now. You who live in heaven, hear the prayers of those of us who live on earth, who are afraid of being left by those we love, and who get hardened by the hurt. Do you remember when you lived down here, where we all scraped to find the faith to ask for daily bread? Did you forget about us after you had flown away? Well, I memorized every word you said. Till I'm so scared I'm holding my breath. While you're up there just playing hard to get. You who live in radiance, hear the prayers of those of us who live in skin. We have a love that's not as patient as yours was, still we do love now and then. Did you ever know loneliness? Did you ever know need? Did you remember just how long a night can get? When you are barely holding on and your friends fall asleep and don't see the blood that's running in your sweat, will those who mourn be left uncomforted while you're up there just playing hard to get? And I know you bore our sorrows And I know you feel our pain And I know that it would not hurt any less Even if it could be explained And I know that I am only lashing out at the one who loves me most And after I have figured this somehow What I really need to know Is if you who live in eternity Hear the prayers of those of us who live in time we can't see what's ahead We can't get free From what we've left behind I'm reeling from these voices That keep screaming in my ears All these words of shame and doubt Blame and regret I can't see how you're leading me Unless you've led me here to where I'm lost enough to let myself be led. And so you've been here all along, I guess. It's just your ways, and you are just plain hard to 
think interestingly, thank you Paul, um, we can say, um, or I imagine as uh, Rich wrote this song, um, that God is sometimes really, really hard to get, really hard to understand why. That's echoed in this psalm, Psalm 42, our text, um, that we really want to spend some time with, a little bit more time with anyway this morning. Um, While I can say that I don't agree the issue is uh, when we're in depression or when we're dealing with it is necessarily a lack of faith. I do think faith is very much the core of our hunger. I want to surprise you this morning by saying I agree with the Bible. (laughs) Psalm 42, I think, nails it. My soul thirsts for God. This image is is of of an animal... Um, which sometimes I feel like that's all I am, right? I mean, it's just this, this uh, driven from cistern to cistern to cistern, from place to place to place, and it's, 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 it's dry, and it's, it's empty, and there's nothing there. And as you go from place to place looking for comfort, looking for help, looking for satisfaction, looking for happiness, looking for joy, looking for relationship, looking for peace. And every place you go, it gets drier and drier as you get thirstier and thirstier. And I love the line that he says here because it's just so real that the only relief that I have is my own tears. See, depression, I think, at its heart, is a sense of brokenness. It is a deep ache that the world is broken. And I don't know for you whether that, I mean, whether that might be a chemical thing, and am I physically broken, uh, whether it's uh, somebody's lost and I've experienced death, and so I've seen the brokenness, maybe it is something that is falling apart in your life, Maybe it's just you watch too much of the news, man. I know some of y'all keep that news channel, Fox or CNN or whatever, rolling all day long. If there's, that's going to drive you to depression, right? I mean, it is a broken world, and the world echoes that brokenness to us constantly. And sometimes it's just too much to bear up under. And that is, I think, what's being stated here, and that is my own experience. I think that's what we're after. And so when we ask the question, well, where can I, what can I do about it? Barry did an awesome job. If you, if you, if you weren't here for Wednesday night, I want to encourage you to go to our website and listen to Barry talk, because he, he lays out the five causes of, of uh, five different kinds of depression, things that cause it, and some practical ways to deal with it. But I think, and Barry would agree with me uh, on this, that, that the ache is for healing, and the greatest sense of healing will come from God. That's been um, my experience, that, that there is something that hurts uh, in me and in the world around me that I've experienced and, and, I'm, and I'm sharing in, and there is this hunger to see things right again. And the Bible talks about this, it has this Wonderful passage, I think I've shared it before, but well, I'm going to do it again. 
um, from Isaiah 50, verses 10 through 13. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and they don't return, uh, but they water the earth, and they make it bring forth, and they sprout, and it gives seed to the sower, and it gives bread for our hunger, and so shall the word of God come forth like thunder. It shall not return empty, but it shall succeed for which I have sent it. And you, so he's speaking collectively to the people of God, you shall go forth, you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth in singing and all of the trees of the field will clap their hands and instead of the thorn shall come the cypress and instead of the briars shall come the myrtle blooms and it shall make a name for the Lord an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is a beautiful ache and I think it's universal. I think it's universal and I'd argue that it is universal There's a hunger for new life. There's hunger for resurrection. We are so afraid of death. We're dumping everything we can into medical research to stave off sickness and illness and even looking like you're getting older, right? I mean, how much do we do to to keep this thing away because we all know we're finite. And there's a hunger for that healing. And I believe that that is found in God's hands. In my experience, as I describe it, it is the experience of being in a black pit And in depression, uh, my experience has been uh, two characteristics. One of helplessness, there is nothing I can do to get out of this. And one of hopelessness, I never will. And these things come upon us. These great and deep and black lies. Lies that the world tells us. Lies that Satan tells us. Lies that my past tells me lies that I begin to believe and so I tell them to myself again and again and it begins to convince me, convince me not of the truth but convince me that that I can't escape, that there is no hope. I love how the psalm, Psalm 42 there, our text turns this in verse four. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go forth with the throng and I would lead them. I love that, I would lead them. Like I am leading the procession. I am leading the march of joy. I'd go forth with the throng, this, this great this great gathering and party, this has this image of the, the festival days where they would go um, up to the, to the temple mount. They would go up together with glad shouts and songs of praise and a multitude-keeping festival because the worst thing about the black pit is remembering when you weren't there, is remembering when there was joy, is remembering when there was peace, is remembering when I was the person that was encouraging others. And and you sort of wonder eventually, where'd that go? Um, Those of you who maybe have experienced this as well, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. Where did that go? Verse 5, why am I downcast? Why, soul, am I downcast? Why is there turmoil within me? Sometimes there are over uh, obvious reasons. We're overworked. We've underslept. We are unhealthy. Um, we are not keeping watch over ourselves because of um, 
what I deal with, I have to keep careful watch just about sleep and, and eating and go to the gym and you know, make sure that I have positive things kind of coming in around me. Uh, but there is, there is, so there's that practical sense and practical things that we can do. But the hardest thing is this next line. Do you see that there? Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you at turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Because in the pit, the hardest thing to do is to hope. Remember, it's a combination of helplessness and hopelessness. And so uh, his words are important because they are one of will. What we have here in, in our experience is one of emotion. I feel helpless. I feel hopeless. And so does the psalmist. He asks the question, why am I downcast? And it doesn't have an answer even with it. I wish, you, I wish this almost would have given me. I would have been curious to know, why are you downcast? I'm like, what is it? Maybe, it, I, I don't know what it is for him, but whatever it is that brought the psalmist to this place, to the black pit, he says this, I will. I will. Do you see that there? Underline it. If, it, if you have your Bibles open, underline it in the pew Bible so that the next person who picks it up can see it. You need to see that. I will. And what will I do? I will yet praise. I will yet sing. I will remember God. Psalm 77, which is another psalm um, that, that echoes this sort of uh, struggle with life, says, I will appeal to this in the years of the right hand of the Most High. And right hand is the, the hand of power, right? The, the hand of action, the hand that does things. And so I'm going to remember the things that the Most High has, has done. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember the wonders of old. I will ponder on all your works. I will meditate on all your mighty deeds. The psalmist says the same thing here. Why are you downcast, O my soul? He says it echoing it there again in verse 6. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember, remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and Mount Mizar. He, he outlines the sort of barriers. If you don't immediately have a map in your mind, you say, I don't know what those mean. That's what those are. Bar- markers for the land of Israel. I will remember what you have done in my people. I will remember what you have done in the church. I will remember what you have done in my own life. I will remember you, God, even though it is the hardest thing that I could do. Because oftentimes the combination of this feeling of helplessness and hopelessness, you're going to want to say to yourself, well, listen, I, I, I don't want to leave this spot. I, I can't leave this spot. I, I can't do anything. You're just sort of sinking, and it's this wonderful, it's this wonderful guilt trip. Just incredible. I go through it and I realize that I'm in it and I don't want to do anything about it and I feel guilty because I'm ruining um, my relationships. I'm not doing well for you all. I'm not doing well at work. Things are sort of falling apart and yet I don't want to do anything about it and I can't seem to bring myself to do anything about it and so then I feel guilty about that and then I feel guilty about feeling guilty about that and we're just sort of like mounting this guilt, right, on top of myself like you, you, and you're just sort of weighed down with this this thing, this thing, and I want to say to you that there is an immense amount of hope if we will do one thing, stop believing the lie and seek hope. Because we often are under this impression, whether you're struggling with depression or not, this, this, is, this is, I think, a true experience. We often run into a sense of distance from God. Do you ever feel that way? God is far away. Have you ever felt that way? Is it true 
God is always the same distance from you, right? God is always the same distance from you. You have just forgotten to look for him. Which is why the scriptures say these wonderful words. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Right? This, this sense that if, I'm, if I begin to move toward God, and I think it's even less of like God's drawing near in this, and it's more of awakening my sense that, that God has never left me. That God has not abandoned me. Notice in verse 8, by the command, uh, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love. By night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God, my soul? Why are you downcast within me? Why are you at turmoil within me? And then he echoes again, hope in God, for I shall again praise him my God, the God of my salvation. There is this wonderful um, renewing in this text where God, verse 8 there, he says, the steadfast love. This is, has said, this is talking about God's not only emotional love, but his faithfulness. And think of it, think of it like this. If you've got children, you know what I'm talking about, where the kid is just, just awful, and you say, I'm done with you. Like, you're, you're just sort of at your wit's end. And you're like, go to bed, right? We need, we need, like, go to bed. You need to rest. You're freaking out. And you need to take a nap. And uh, there is this wonderful faithfulness that even as I say to Emery, time to take a nap. You're losing your mind. Daddy is always faithful. I would never give up. I would never part myself from her. I would never say, you have gone. I'm, that's it. Get out of the house. I'm tired of your fits. I'm tired. Like, there is this constant desire from me to see her come to a place where our relationship is healed, that she has a place of, of joy. That is me as an imperfect, broken, and frankly not very good dad. I desperately want my daughter to experience joy. If that is true of me, how much more is it true of God to you? And so we, we lean on these texts and remember God's faithfulness. We remember how he has been faithful over and over again. We remember texts, even if we draw toward the New Testament. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. The inner self is being renewed day by day for the light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Because the things that you see, they are breaking down, they are getting sick, they are falling apart. Everything that you see is breaking down. It's a law. But the things that are unseen, they are eternal. And they bring life. I love this line that's next here. By night his song is with me. You see that there? I love that because it's ambiguous. I was sitting there reading it thinking that David, is it David singing the song? Is it like God's song is in him and he's singing it? Or is it God singing over him? Because there's this great text in Zephaniah, the prophet Zephaniah who speaks and he says, On the day it shall be said in Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. For the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save, who will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult 
over you with loud singing. Can you imagine that God loves you so much he wants to quiet you? Right now we have a baby and we're learning all about that all over again. Quiet. Right? Quiet you with his love. And he's so happy that God is going to sing songs over you. Like we sing over Ezri. And I won't do that for you right now. Spare that. But quieting and singing praises. God sings over his people. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival, Zephaniah says, and you will no longer suffer reproach. That there is a God who loves you so deeply and completely that even though you can't feel it or sense it, it is nevertheless there. And it is nevertheless waiting as God is nevertheless Wanting to quiet you with his love. And so what it is essential for us to do is to set aside the lies of helplessness. The lies of hopelessness. The lies that keep us where we are. And to believe the words of truth. And this is the hardest thing that you can be asked to do. To step up in your will and say, I will still praise the Lord. Whether I feel like it or not whether I sense it or not, because it is in those moves that God begins to awaken us to the truth. Because truth is rarely a matter of feelings. And when we speak truth, sometimes our feelings come along. As I said, I've... uh, I've wrestled with depression for a long time. Uh, There's two places in my life where um, I had planned and was ready to execute my own death. Um, In both of those times, God interfered in my life uh, in such a way that I am still here. I want to tell you about one of them. Um, So I was in college. This is after my freshman year. And uh, so I was living in Owasso, and I worked in Lansing, and I worked in St. John's. I was a youth minister in St. John's. And so, uh, you know, irony of ironies, right? I'm the, the faithful one. I'm the youth minister. And I love those kids, man. We loved those kids. This is before Laura, so before my coming to perfection. Um, we loved those kids. I still pray for them. And, and I desperately wanted these kids to know Jesus. I did. I wanted them to know Jesus so bad. And I dumped, you know, all this energy into them, and uh, I love them. Um, and of course, I'm driving to keep my job in Lansing because you know school is going to start up again, and you know, brainwave that costs money. And uh, and so I'm doing a lot of driving. And over that summer, the only thing I thought about as I drove was ending my life, just nothing else. And so I'm supposed to be the encourager. I'm supposed to be the one that 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 uh, that is full of faith. And I, I believed in God. It was never about that. Um. And so there was a night towards the end of that summer, I got on my knees, and I remember it was, uh, it was uh, 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 early in the evening because there was sun still coming. It's like you remember things that you ever have, you know, memories that you like remember certain details. And I just remember light coming in through this, this window that was a little bit high up. And I remember praying to God. I wasn't even really praying to God. It was just I was making a statement of fact. I said, God, either tomorrow I don't think about killing myself or I'm going to do it. 
I've had lots of time to think about it. Uh, and so I went to bed. And uh, of course, the next morning came, and the next, and the next, and the next, and I'm here. Um, but what happened was, it was about a week or so later that I realized that I had not thought about killing myself uh, for a week or so. And that, to me, I mean, I know that sounds stupid, but I mean, it was a miracle um, to me. And what's interesting about that whole thing is I wasn't any less depressed. It was just like this piece was gone. Um, and so, and that's the last time I've ever, that's the last time I've ever considered that. Um, what I've experienced in my life is that as I have moved towards God, progressively, slowly, windingly, I don't know how many of you are perfect people and you just kind of make a straight beeline to God, but that's not my story. But as I have moved progressively closer to God, those stints of uh, the pit are less frequent and less intense. And so my, my, my word of encouragement to you, and it's just, this isn't necessarily from the scriptures, but it's sort of my own experience that I'm sharing with you, is that God's way of healing this part of my brokenness, and there's a lot that's broken in me. We don't have time to go into all of that uh, today, but this part of my brokenness has been to shrink it over time. And when I get into those places to learn more and more to believe less lies, and maybe that's what God's after, I don't know. We'll see when, when we get there. So my encouragement to you today uh, is twofold. If you are struggling with these issues, please know that you are not alone. And please know that it doesn't mean you don't believe in God. And please know it does not mean that God has given up on you. And please know that it is not the end of the story. And please know that if you are wrestling with those kinds of thoughts for the love of God, the love of the church, and the love of yourself, tell somebody about it. I was an absolute idiot. And I should have gone and got help. And there's no shame. No shame in that. And the second thing is to say this. If you are in that place, please hear the truth. You are not helpless. You are not hopeless. This does not have to win. Even if the darkness doesn't seem to go away today or tomorrow or the next, this does not have the final word, but rather God does. And God's word is this, I will quiet you with my love and I will exalt over you with singing because whether you feel like you are worthless or not, to God you are of immeasurable worth. And that is the truth that depression wants to steal from you. And today, hear the truth that God wants to sing over you. You are loved. You are his children. If you need prayer or someone to talk to, our elders will be down front. Come and speak to them. Come and talk with them. Come and share with them. We are meant to bear one another's burdens. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you need someone to carry your faith for a little while, let us help carry it. Let's stand as we sing.